I'm going to mention some common aspects of our society today, and I want you to see if you can figure out what they all have in common. We see many blogs in our world today. We see a lot of podcasts in our world today. We have radio stations constantly pumping out commentary or shows or uh, music. We have school teachers. We have advertisements. We have friends. We have business consultants. There are books and books and books and more books. And there are magazines and there's Twitter and there's Facebook and there is there are TV shows, and there are movies, and there are newspapers, and there are pastors. And what do they all have in common? Every single one of these things is a voice crying out, saying, listen to me. Listen to me. Voices calling into your ears, calling to your head, calling to your heart, saying, listen to me. Heed my voice. Listen to what I say. Don't listen to what they say. I say it right. Think about how many voices are around you every day, all around you, each one existing for the sole purpose of having their content heard and received by the listener. You don't do a blog so that people won't read it. You don't do a radio show hoping that nobody ever hears it and is affected by it. Everything that, that, I, that I mentioned is speaking for the sake of being heard and received and having influence on the hearer. And so one of the questions that we need, especially in this society and in our day-to-day, one of the things that we need to be purposeful in answering is this, which voice will you listen to? You're going to listen to something One or some of those voices is going to penetrate, and you will listen. So which one is it going to be? Which words will worm their way into your mind and into your heart in such a way that your thoughts, your desires, your actions are all impacted? That's the goal of these voices, to influence you in this way. And whether you like it or not, they will. On one level, big or small, the voices that you listen to will impact you. So which voices speak into your life? Which voices hold sway over our hearts and our minds? We saw one of those voices a few weeks ago in Proverbs chapter 7. It was the voice of the adulterous woman as she sought to woo and to persuade the naive youth. And we saw the end of that, the disaster that overcame the foolish young man who chose to listen to the wrong voice. And so tonight we're going to be hearing from another voice in Proverbs chapter 8. As we read and as we study this passage together, we'll examine three notes regarding wisdom, the voice that you should listen to. First note is this, the availability of the voice. The availability of the voice. Look in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 1. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice. So we start out with an identity of the voice that's at hand, and this is lady wisdom. Wisdom, and by parallel term, understanding, are in this passage personified for the sake of the lesson at hand. 
Solomon's not a doofus. He doesn't, he, he is aware that wisdom is not really a person, but he's, he's picturing wisdom as, a, as a, a lady for the sake of this passage and the lesson that he's seeking to impart. Now, if you remember, wisdom, biblically understood, is the capacity to discern the moral and ethical decisions in any situation that will please God and align to his will. That's the expression of wisdom. To be able to walk into and to encounter any situation and to say, I know how God views this and how I can interact with this situation in such a way that I'm in line with God's will. And so this ability here is personified as a woman lifting up her voice so that people might hear and listen. I want you to picture... Picture with me a, a traveler on his way to a city. Let's, let's say this, it's the city of Jerusalem, okay? The traveler is coming from the surrounding countryside, and he's heading up, uh, we'll say from the south, he's heading from the south up to Jerusalem. And perhaps as he starts his journey, he's a solitary traveler making his way through some of the hill, hilly countryside, but as he continues to get closer to Jerusalem, other paths start to intersect his path. The paths from the east, the paths from the west, as they start to then all converge and head towards Jerusalem. As those paths converge, more and more people begin to join in the journey and head towards Jerusalem. And the traffic grows a little bit, and even more than as they get closer and closer to the city walls. And then the crowds begin to press together as, as they reach the gates of the city, and as they press together and pass through the gates, the, 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 the crowd intensifies and, 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 and presses together as the start of the business day gets going. The traveler makes his way through the crowd, through the gates, and into the doorways of his first stop for the sake of commerce. At each of those junctures, Lady Wisdom is here pictured as standing and crying out, appealing for the attention and heeding of her voice. Look at verse 2. On top of the heights, beside the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, at the opening to the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out. The hypothetical question of doesn't wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice, which assumes an answer of why, yes, Solomon, she does, is then given parameters of availability by the following verse and verse, verse 2 and 3. Wisdom, here personified, is available on top of the heights beside the way. Again, picture the traveler. As the traveler walks through the hills, in from the countryside, Lady Wisdom stands on top of those hills and calls out, listen to me. She lifts her voice. She, she doesn't whisper. She doesn't just sort of mutter, hey, you really should listen to me. Oh, didn't hear me. Too bad. She says, listen to me. You walking there, listen to me. She lifts up her voice. She calls. She's zealous that the hearer receive the message. Where the paths intersect and more travelers join in, there we find Lady Wisdom 
standing and continuing to lift up her voice, crying out for attention, exhorting the travelers, heed my voice. As the crowds then thicken and enter the city gates and the areas where the elders of the people transact business and render verdicts of, of decisions to the people, Lady Wisdom stands and cries out, eager that no traveler miss her call. As the people walk through the doors of the city, she still makes herself known. She doesn't give up. She doesn't cry out once and throw up her hands in frustration or defeat. The availability of the voice of wisdom is everywhere in the path. <laughs> this scene reminds me a little bit of, uh, of, of driving towards Branson. Anybody of you know where, where I'm going with this? Let's say hypothetically you're driving to Branson and hypothetically you're really, really excited for Presley's Country Jubilee. Okay? I haven't actually seen it, but I'm really intrigued. There are so many signs, so many signs advertising this, this country jubilee of, of, of old guys and, and young kids with guitars and suspenders and big goofy glasses and, you know, hats with a little beanie twirly thingamabobber up on top. And there's sign after sign after sign after sign. And it's like, fine, I'll go to the country jubilee. You know, it, it, it starts out 30 miles out and says, Branson in 30 miles, Branson in 28 miles, come to the Jubilee in 27 miles, don't miss the Jubilee in 23 miles. And over and over and over, there are opportunities to hear the voice and to heed the voice to go to Presley's Country Jubilee. And, and <laughs> that's a silly Example, but in, in a way, it's like that. There's not a lack of opportunity to hear and heed the advertisement of wisdom. She is lifting up her voice at multiple points along life's path. She's crying out that you and I would hear her and heed her. If we remember back to chapter 7, it's a little bit like the voice of the adulterous woman. Look at chapter 7, verse 11 to 13. This one, she is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She's moving. She's on the move. She's now in the streets. Now she's in the squares. She lurks by every corner. So she seizes the naive youth and kisses him with a brazen voice. She says to him. She then wields her voice with a desire to influence him. She's here. She's there. She's moving. She's trying to influence. She's trying to utilize her voice to call and to bring people under her sway. That's a voice, though, you don't want to listen to. We see the end of that, the result of that in chapter 7. Lady Wisdom's voice is a voice that you want to listen to in. And the end of chapter 8 <clears throat> expands upon the result of what happens when you listen and when you heed the voice of wisdom. And it's, it's highly contrasted with the end of chapter 7 of what, it, what, it, what happens when you listen to the voice of the adulterer. Now, sadly, we're only going through verse 9, and so you'll have to wait a month or so, or you can read the rest of the chapter as you want. It's interesting. Sometimes, sometimes wisdom, uh, growth in insight, growth in understanding, it's perceived as some sort of a jewel hidden in a high tower surrounded by 
dark forests of thorny bushes and trees guarded by a dragon and only the brave adventurer will dare to quest for wisdom and he doesn't know if he's going to find it. He doesn't know if he's going to survive the trip. He doesn't know what even the, the ending result is going to be. You'll wonder if you'll ever arrive or ever truly find it. But that's, that's not the picture here. As Dwayne Garrett puts it, wisdom wants to attract all and be accessible to all. The attainment of wisdom is not a quest, but a response. Wisdom is not saying, I'm hiding. Come and find me. I hope you can figure out the way. Wisdom is standing at every point in our lives saying, here I am, listen to me. And so the attainment of wisdom is not a, it's not a, a quest. It's a response to what is at hand and before Solomon's son and before us. So the, in the midst of the cacophony of the loud voices that are around us, the blogs, the podcasts, the advertisements, the teachers, the shows, the movies, we don't have to wonder if wisdom is available. We don't have to seek wisdom from within those things as if she's is some sort of hidden nugget that if we just dig hard enough, we can find wisdom in the midst of those voices. We don't have to do that. We just have to listen for the voice of wisdom herself and respond to her. She's readily available. She's ready for you, for I, to bend our ears, our minds, and our hearts towards her and listen to her as she teaches us God's will for each and every circumstance in life. Her, available, her, her availability is at every juncture of her life. She, she's not hiding from us. But God in his grace has made her readily available. So having made it clear that wisdom is readily available and his son just needs to listen and heed her voice, <clears throat> Solomon then points out the addressee of her voice. Look at verse 4 and 5. As she's calling, as she's taking her stand at every point in the juncture, verse 4, she cries out, To you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of men. O oh, naive ones, understand prudence. And O oh, fools, understand wisdom. Wisdom calls out to humanity as a whole. This is a general call. Wisdom is not calling out to the academics. Wisdom is not calling out only to the elite. Wisdom is not calling out to a gender. Wisdom is not calling out to a, a particular skin color or race or anything like that. Wisdom is calling out to, to mankind. If you're a son of man, in the sense of if you're a human, wisdom calls to you. Again, Garrett notes that attainment of biblical wisdom is not so much a matter of intellect as it is a, a matter of faith and obedience. It's not, it's not, it's not difficult to find wisdom and it's not a matter of, gee, am I smart enough to be wise? It's a matter of, do I hear and do I heed wisdom? If you are naive, she begs you to listen to her so that you can understand prudence. That's a move from inexperience and youthfulness shifting then to a capable, words even used in the sense of being cunning, which really just means you're aware of the best approach to a situation, 
to attain the, the, the end that you need. So it's a move from youthfulness and inexperience to then experienced, capable knowledge and awareness of the working order of life and how to respond to what comes your way. Wisdom will do that. If you're foolish, she calls you to understand wisdom. If you tend to make decisions, if I tend to make decisions and respond to circumstances in a way that contradicts God's will, and then we experience the negative results of that, she's available, wisdom is available to bring you from that state into a state of being wise and capable of making decisions according to God's will in a situation. She's available. She's calling out, saying, heed my voice. And lest you think, oh, I'm not naive, Aaron. Or lest you think, oh, Aaron, I'm not foolish. Well, yes, you and I are. In one way or another, we are naive and we are foolish. For in one way or another, we constantly struggle for the ability to discern and to implement decisions in life that, that, that align with God's will. It's me. I have, I have aspects of areas where I have grown and matured and I, and I understand wisdom and what that looks like. And then I have aspects of life where I am, I am naive as all get out. And then I have aspects of, of foolishness where, where even maybe knowing the right course, then I, I butt against it, right? And I need to be grown from that. And remember, I think it's Adam who first said this, that Solomon would have us to be wise enough to recognize that we're not wise enough. Okay, so don't look at all those naive people and say, well, they need to listen to wisdom. And don't look at all those foolish people and say, well, they need to, look at, they need to listen to wisdom. Look at yourself and recognize I need to listen to wisdom. Where am I naive and demonstrating inexperience and lack of awareness? Where am I foolish and demonstrating a willingness to contradict and go, go against the Lord's will and the Lord's voice. And we all need to heed the voice of wisdom. She calls to you and she calls to me. But what is the voice of wisdom like? I mean, think, think of the many voices of wisdom uh, or just the many voices in society today. today. Some, are, some are just seductively smooth. Some are just blatantly dripping poison. Some are sneaky and manipulative. Some are, are kind and well-intentioned and yet fallible and biased. Some are harsh and judgmental. But Lady Wisdom herself, after telling us who she's addressing, goes on to describe to us the third note, the attributes of the voice. Let's read those attributes. Look in verse 6. She says, listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my, my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. <laughs> there is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. This section gives the attributes of her voice in such a way as to persuade the, the, the hearer to be a listener. To persuade the hearer to be one who heeds. That's why she says, listen for. 
I'm gonna give you reasons to listen. And, and the reasons you should listen is because of the, the, the attributes of my voice. Bruce Walke says, wisdom must emphasize the value of her words for she has a hard sell. She has some hard things to say and some uncomfortable truths to tell. And she talks about self-discipline and not self-indulgence. Woo, is that countercultural or what? By and large, culture just says, hey, you know what? Life should just be handed to you. Life should be easy. Life should be comfortable. Life should be about you. Life should be about pleasing you. But he says, and, and he's right, wisdom talks about self-discipline and not self-indulgence. The unfaithful wife's speech in chapter 7 is sweet in the beginning and bitter in the end. Wisdom's speech demands discipline in the beginning and promises life in the end. That's so countercultural. And so wisdom then says, here's why you should listen to me. I'm going to say some things that, man, they might, they might just seem hard. They might seem to go against what everybody around you is saying, but here's why you should listen. Listen to the attributes of the voice again. She says, listen, for I will speak noble things. And the opening of my lips will re reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. So on the one hand, wisdom's voice is not characterized by things like wickedness, crookedness, or perversion. Isn't that refreshing? I mean, again, thinking of all those voices that seek our attention, that seek our mind, that seek our hearts, how many of those voices can say, there is no wickedness in my voice, there is no crookedness in my voice, there is no perversion in my voice? So often we, we hear one of the voices in our society, like a newspaper, like a TV show, like a media outlet, and we shake our head at how wicked, how deceiving, how twisting those voices are. This can be blatant. Think about the voices <clears throat> regarding things like abortion, regarding things like extramarital sex, regarding things like atheism and evolution and gender fluidity and human sexuality. Some voices just blatantly cry out and say, listen to this perversion. And then there's more subtle voices. Many of the messages of pop psychology or of cultural spirituality. I was reading an article about an uptick in, in, in the belief that... Um, you know, shaman healing practices are being accepted and uh, the healing energy from certain stones in the earth and things like that are being accepted even, uh, even amongst um, broadly confessing evangelical Christianity. Or just even the, the, the voice that says, you know what, God's way is good for you, but there, there's a lot of ways. Man, what a, what, a, what a twisting, even just subliminally twisting voice. That's all around us. Warren Wearsby notes, Folly uses deceptive and crooked words to achieve her purposes. Language that George Orwell called newspeak in his novel 1984 and that we would today call doublespeak. Everywhere, folks, everywhere that we turn, there are voices dripping wickedness. 
in our schools, in our workplaces, from the glowing pieces of entertainment technology that we watch and look at or whatever the case. Everywhere that we look, there are voices dripping wickedness. There are voices oozing words that will distort and pervert our lives. And there are voices that will undermine our decisions, our capacity to live according to God's will. Be careful about what voices you listen to. But the beautiful thing about wisdom's voice is that none of that is part of wisdom's voice. That type of wickedness, she says, that's an abomination to my lips. Like the, the, the most abhorred idea is what those wicked things are to her. There is, there is nothing crooked or perverted in her utterances, not a trace. We need not question, we need not be skeptical. On the other hand, wisdom's voice is characterized by words like noble, right, true, righteous, straightforward. Noble, wisdom's voice proclaims things worthy proclaims things excellent, truths that are excellent, right. Wisdom's voice proclaims straight truths, okay? It's a, it's a contrast to that, that crookedness which deviates from the path. Rather, she proclaims truths that are straight, upright, and level. They're, they're not convoluted. They won't lead you in a twisted path, but they're right. She speaks true she speaks what aligns with God's will and God's way with purity and with integrity. And this is contrasted with wickedness, again, with a, with a vigor that reinforces the degree of her truthfulness. She speaks so truthfully that, that wicked speech is the utter abomination to her lips. There's no way that would cross her lips. And we, we being blessed with continuing revelation, we ought to perk our ears up at something like this. Recognize even just the, the consistency of Scripture and, and God's desire for us. Look over at Philippians chapter 4 with me. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, says this Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul is saying as he's taught them about Jesus and about his way and his will, he says practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul agrees with Solomon says those are the things you ought to be listening to. Those are the things you ought to be heeding, thinking about, contemplating. The voices that we ought to be listening to. And those are the characteristics of wisdom's voice. Think of the uniqueness of that. I can't even claim that for my kids. I can't say there is no crookedness. You can't say that either. No voice around us in this world can make the claim that wisdom makes. How many tongues do you know of that are uttering words of that kind of quality? And it makes sense. Again, consistency. Look in James chapter 3. 
James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. <clears throat> For we all stumble in many ways. <laughs> what is this, this next sentence? If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Just think about that. Who's perfect here? Who's perfect around us? Nobody. And so we all stumble in what we say. Every voice around us will stumble, even if they're well-intentioned. Every voice around us will stumble in what they say. Because if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members is that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. That ought to give weight to the uniqueness of wisdom's voice as we consider her attributes. Wisdom claims what James says no man, no human can do. She speaks perfectly, truthfully, with complete control and with complete sincerity and purity. I don't know about you, contrast that with all the voices around us and that's a voice we ought to be listening to. When wisdom, when God's wisdom speaks, we should be all ears. But where is wisdom most directly accessible for us? All right, flip all the way back again, Psalm 19. Some of the, some of the parallels of these ideas have just been so encouraging to me and, and rocking to my, my world and my thinking. Look at Psalm 19, verse 7. <clears throat> Speaking of God's word with various terms, God's ways, God's will, the psalmist says this in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening in the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. What wisdom claims is what the word of God is. Wisdom is so readily available to us, calling even ever so explicitly to us 
from God's word. Go back to verse 9 in Proverbs 8. It says there, they are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. If you're one who understands, and the idea here is that you, you are intelligent and because of that intelligent inclining your ear to her voice, then her words will be straightforward, not twisted, not difficult. It won't be, it won't be a wrestling match to say, ah, oh, what does God's word say? I don't really know if I'm going to agree with that because I don't really know if that's, that might not really be, be true or right or actually the way to go. Maybe, maybe it's not going to be that way. The one who finds this knowledge, the one who allows her words to sink into your cognition and heed wisdom's truths, finds her words to be right. So tonight, I want us to take stock. Okay, I want us to take stock of which voices hold sway in our lives. Perhaps you need to turn certain voices down. Maybe you and I need to turn certain voices off. Maybe you need to begin listening to the voice of wisdom and, and pick up the word of God. And maybe you need to turn up the volume on the voice of wisdom. Maybe it's just one of the many clamoring for attention. It is one of the many clamoring for attention, but it just depends on how much attention we are giving to her voice as compared to all the others and who's loudest, who holds the most sway. So take stock of that. Maybe we need to spend, maybe we need to turn up the volume on the voice of wisdom and spend more time contemplating and applying God's truths to our everyday situations. In some way, you and I fall into the category of naive, and in some way, you and I fall into the category of foolish. So wisdom calls out tonight and says, I urge you, listen to my voice. Understand prudence. Understand wisdom. The rest of the chapter continues on, like I said, gives even more reasons and more motivations for listening to wisdom. We'll have to save that for another night. You, you are allowed to Crack your Bible open and finish the chapter at any point that you should desire. That will be the next evening service, which is in May. So put a major pin in this and, uh, and, and keep, keep that thought of what verses 1 through 9 hold uh, for us. But for tonight, the big takeaway I want you to consider, and kids, even, even in the smallest child, you know, from... Ages four, three, two, on up. Adults, gray hairs, whatever the case. Which voices do you listen to? Which voice is shaping your mind? Which voice is shaping your heart and informing your decisions? If God's wisdom isn't the loudest voice, then urgently consider what changes you can make that will foster that. Urgently consider in your own life what needs to change. To turn up the volume on God's voice. In your married life, take stock. What needs to change to turn up the volume on God's voice as it plays out in your marriage. In your parenting, turn up the volume. What changes do I need to make that will then make the voice of wisdom the strongest voice that my kids hear? 
Let's pray together.